I just interrupted our intro. I'm, I'm very sorry about that. Welcome to uh, the Rotorob Fantasy Football Weekly Podcast plus ATS picks. I am going to do that again because I just I just love that. So we'll be back for you. Welcome to the RotoRob.com Fantasy Football Weekly plus ATS Picks. Each week, your hosts, Josh Johnson and Nick Wagner, will give you the goods to help you win your fantasy football crown. Talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Uh, playoffs? We'll talk about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I shouldn't be eating a full plate of nachos at midnight, and I do that. And so, <laughs> welcome to the Roto Rob Fantasy Football Weekly Plus ATS Picks Pod. Ah, Fantasy Football Weekly Podcast Plus ATS Picks. I don't even need to see the ATS part. I'm I'm a little off today, apparently, as you can tell. But I, of course, am Joshua Johnson. And you are listening to the Roto Route Fantasy Football Weekly Podcast. With me, as always, is Nick. Hail to the Redskins, Wagner. And uh, Nick apparently has to be apologetic for something he said last week. So, Nick, what do you got for us? Yes, well, it came to my attention that uh, some people, at least for sure my dear friend Katie, were offended by the, what I said about the Steelers' Bumblebee jerseys last year when I believe I said something along the lines of they should gather them all up lock them in a safe and dump that safe at the bottom of the ocean because they look so ugly. <laughs> now, what I said is completely true, but it was not my intent to hurt anybody's feelings or offend anybody. So I am truly sorry that if that Katie and if anyone else was offended by what I said, you know, I, that was not my intent. I apologize. Other than that, though, Josh, everything is awesome. How are you? Oh, you know, we uh I'm doing good. We we offend people a lot on this show. This is this is listen to what V asked our uh our our Patriots blogger Brian Luis a few weeks ago. Uh yeah. When is Tom Brady gonna retire? So I thought he could manage another two years. Oh my god, he's 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 rich and he's married to Giselle Bunch and go fish. <laughs> uh, so, uh, there, I could play a whole lot more of those if you'd like, but we're not, we're going to get into the podcast since we had such a rough rough beginning by myself. Uh, obviously, today we're talking about the NFC East. Uh, Nick, of course, is Nick Hale for the Redskins Wagner, so you know he's excited about that. And I'm really going to try to remember to remember to play the Redskins music for our Redskins blogger. But we're going to be joined by Tom Ryle of blogging for the bloggingtheboys.com to talk about the Cowboys. Mike Harar from hogshaven.com, talk about the Redskins. And uh, my good friend Mark T. Wilson from True Love Sports Talk is going to come on and talk about the Eagles. That's going to be all coming up a little bit later. Um, and, uh, let's get to a little bit of the news. And we have a caller. I think this maybe is our first guy, but we're going to. We're gonna call. We're gonna click on it and see, and then we'll get to the get to the rest of the news lately. One second here. 
Uh, Tom, is that you? Tom, hello? Hello, Mr. 917. You're on the Roto-Rob Fantasy Football Podcast Weekly. He's on, but he's not talking, so I guess we're going to go to another caller, and I know we're going to be excited about this. It's V, the noble one. He's going to come on and talk about uh, Mr. Ralph Wilson. Uh, v, how are you doing today, bud? Doing good, man. Doing good. Well, all, all things considered. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, we we asked you to come on today because I figured you'd want to say a few words about uh, uh, Ralph, Ralph Wilson. So why, why don't you just take the floor, man, since he's your guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, you know, it's a big deal in Buffalo Bills news. I mean, as a fan, you know, having Ralph Wilson pass away is significant if you're a fan, but as somebody who's a uh, who comes from Buffalo, New York, and I actually lived in a city that I love, with, you know, with all of my heart. And, you know, Ralph Wilson is a huge figure in the uh, greater western New York area um, for, you know, everything that he's done for the whole time that he was there. And I always think it's interesting when you go back and you look at some of the old pictures of him and Al Davis and some of that first group of guys who, who helped put together the NFL as we know it today. I mean, it's pretty significant to have him, have him pass. But even more than that, how he treated players, how he treated the staff, what he did for the city, what he did for the community. Um, anybody that's a Bills fan has to know how much pressure it was put on him and how much uh, money and prestige he turned down to keep the Bills in Buffalo for all of that time. You know, there were so many times in L.A. and things of that nature where they wanted new franchises, and there were so many opportunities for him to move it and to make more money. But he stayed in that small market. He progressed. Um, he sent four teams to the Super Bowl consecutively, something that has never been done and most likely would never be done again. Um, so he definitely was a uh, he definitely was a great owner, and in, in, you know, and it's a sad day. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's the only AFL owner not to move his team to a different city there. To uh, to uh, speak to your point there, uh, yeah, it is a sad day. Obviously, he was uh, uh, up up there in age, but uh, we just wanted to, since this is a football podcast, obviously pay homage to. Uh, to the great uh, uh, Ralph Wilson. Um, what else going on today, V? Uh, nothing much, man. Just just, uh, just running around, trying to uh, get in here and, and, and chat with you guys and trying to see what else is going on with free agency. Hopefully uh, Buffalo continues to make the moves that we need to make and we can get an ownership team in there to make sure Buffalo Bills stay in Buffalo. So I'm, I've kind of been glued to that today and seeing what's going on with Jim Kelly on a side note. Um, battling cancer again. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, an unfortunate, uh, fortunate thing there. Certainly. Um, do you uh, do you want to stick around for a few minutes? Uh, yeah, I got a couple. Okay, okay. Um, well, uh, the, obviously, the big news this morning was uh, uh, Jared Allen to Seattle. Oh wait, no, he is a Chicago Bear out of left field. Jared woke up this morning, had some fried eggs, and decided to sign with the Bears. Uh, must have been the Polish sausage. What do you think, Nick? Uh, great move for the Bears. You know, they needed to replace Julius Peppers, and uh, I think he'll definitely add some pass rush. Hopefully he's still got some gas left in the tank. He's starting to get up there in age, and there's been some talk that he might be kind of a one-trick pony at this point in his career as far as, you know, just being a third-down pass rush type. Uh, who knows if that's true. Hopefully he'll be able to accept that role and really contribute to this Bears defense. 
Yeah, it's a nice uh, nice tandem with Lamar Houston there. I think you know he's got a I think he's got a couple years left in the tank. Um, not not a bad signing. Little surprise that he you know obviously this guy probably wants to ring before he retires. So Seattle might have been the more obvious choice there. What do you think, B? Um, yeah, I mean I could have seen him going to uh, Seattle and, and, and chasing a ring. I, I, I'm a little bit confused by it, to be honest with you. I, I just think if you let go of Julius Peppers and you bring in somebody else, I just think you got to move towards youth. You know, me personally, I just think that's kind of the only thing that makes that move make sense. Obviously, you want to save some money, but when you talk about somebody like Jared Allen, how much money are you really saving? And so for me, you know, I kind of expected them to move in a more youthful direction. But, I mean, obviously, if you're going to swap out pass rushers, um, that's not a bad trade. So, you know, I think it, I think it kind of makes sense more from, from Jared's perspective. And, and it's not like it's not like Chicago is, is, is miles away from being able to win a championship. I don't think two years ago we were all lock, stock, and barrel on Seattle winning the championship either, you know, with a young Russell Wilson. So um, more from his perspective than from the Bears' perspective, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. You know, and I think if they were really going, going, getting trying to be younger, they probably wouldn't have re-signed Cutler. But I, yeah, I see this as maybe, you know, maybe not the the biggest the biggest splash in the free agency period, but just kind of a an, an effort to let their fans know that you know we are we are planning on chasing this division. So, uh, um, I, well, I, we are now joined by uh, Tom Ryle. Are you still going to stick around here, bud? Uh, actually, I'm going um, to hop off, and I'll, I'll get with you guys later. Just so I don't have to cut out in the middle of anything. So. That's cool, man. Uh, All right, V, well, have a good day. All right, see you, fellas. See you, Nick. Okay, we'll see you, man. Uh, we are now joined by Tom Ryle. Tom, is that you? Yes. Hey, how's it going? It's going okay. well. Cool. I, I have somebody else on the line, too, from the 917, but they didn't want to seem to answer. So we'll, we'll, we'll let them hang on and see. So maybe they just want to listen to the show, and I, and I, and I won't bother them. I can't blame somebody for trying to listen live. So, uh, uh, Tom, you're, of course, from the bloggingtheboys.com. Uh, we're here to talk about the NFC East today. Um, uh, Nick, and if you haven't listened to the podcast, Nick, my co-host, is, is a Redskins fan, but he said he was going to control himself. So uh, you know those Redskins fans, though, Tom. I'm sure you do. So uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, let's, uh, let's get to the questions. What are, what are some of the observations you took from your team uh, over this past season? Uh, obviously, you know, they had looked to be uh, firmly in the playoff hunt there for a while and kind of ultimately slipped away towards the end. What did you think? Well, the team has just been snake bit for two years on injuries. Uh, and it's not so much the number of the injuries as they seem to just cluster. Uh, you know, in 2012, it was right up the middle of the defense. And then last year, of course, you know, they just basically lost almost the whole defensive line. Um, and it just makes it hard to tell what what's going to really happen with them. But there, there have been a lot of positive changes that have happened since Jason Garrett has come in. Um, he's, it seems like the team has a very good plan. It's just the plan keeps getting monkey wrenches thrown into the middle of it. Um, you know, the team's trying to ride Tony Romo for a couple of more years. I think he may have it in him, although we're, you know, going to be watching his back very closely. 
they're starting to get a new core of players. You're seeing a pretty much complete change-out. About all you've really got left of the old core is Romo and Witt and everybody else's uh, within the past three or four years. And the new core they're building up, you know, they've got uh, Smith and uh, Frederick on the offensive line. They've got Des Bryant. Um, pretty happy with uh, Terrence Williams at the other side. They've got possibly uh, Witten's replacement now uh, for when he decides to retire. Uh, they've got Sean Lee on the other side if we can keep him healthy. Henry Melton coming in looks good. Uh, now I think just get some of the injured people from last year all to come back. Maybe we're going to be okay, but it's really hard to tell right now. And, of course, we're coming up on the draft, which is going to be really, really important for the Cowboys this year. Uh, yeah, Nick, you got any questions there for Tom? Uh, yeah, you know, after years of restructuring contracts, trying to keep the team together, you know, it kind of came back to bite them this offseason salary cap-wise. I was wondering, moving forward after this offseason, are they looking pretty much okay cap-wise, do you know, or is there still troubles down the road in future offseasons? They seem – the main thing this year is that they've held off on a couple of restructures, uh, Brandon Carr being a big one. Um, they seem to be trying to keep their options open so that they can make whatever moves they need without having to touch that. Um, I think they've really turned the corner this year and should be in pretty good shape next year. The new contracts they're doing are making a lot more sense. Um, you know, they made the big plunge on Romo, but I don't think you're going to see that. The next two coming up are Des Bryant and Tyron Smith. And I think I saw that they're, the talk now is they're going to activate the fifth-year option on Smith and basically put that decision off for a year. Uh, they're still holding to about $7 million in current uh, cap space, plus they're going to get the cap space from Miles Austin after June 1st. So they're good for now. They're not in any rush to sign anyone, which I think was a very smart move. Uh, they were selective with what they did go after, uh, and they got just a brilliant contract on Henry Melton. It's basically no cost for a year. They get a, a good free look, and they can walk away with, with absolutely no damage if it doesn't work out. If it does work out, he gets a good Pro Bowl-type contract, and they get a good player. So it's um, I think they've got the, the corner turned on the cap management. You have to remember one thing. The, the Cowboys look at cap space as wasted if they leave too much of it out there. They want to get the talent on the field and not sit there and carry a whole lot of money from year to year. That's just the way they think about things. How much uh, How much do you think uh, the development of uh, Terrence Williams over the next season is going to play into uh, uh, Des Bryant getting getting money? Obviously, Des is a talented player. You know, say what you want about him, but She's going to probably demand some money when uh, when that ends that contract ends next year. Well, the the word is that they're already starting preliminary talks. That they'd like to get an extension done on him. Uh, he's just I think he's right now one of the top three or four receivers in the league, and they think he's going to continue to be that. He's going to get paid. Um, I think they're going to try to be as smart as they can, but you know they're going to have to put some money on the table for him. Um, Terrence is going to at best be a number two uh, as long as Brian is healthy. Um, so I don't think he's going to be able to take a whole lot of money out of the contract. Bryce is going to get paid like the star he is. It's just I think the team is going to be careful and make sure they've got 
some protection so that if something happens, they can get out of it is what I expect to see. But he's going to have an opportunity to pocket quite a bit of money. And, and just real quick, uh, just so I don't forget to ask, what, what, are, your, what are your thoughts on Terrence Williams? I, w- I was kind of all over this guy this past summer. I think he's going to be a, a really good, nice player for you guys. He's got, you know, medium size for a receiver, and, and I was impressed by what he was able to do last year. Yeah, he he had a very good uh, year. He was, uh, you know, he was the benefit from the the other benefit from the uh, infamous trade back in the first round. Uh, they got their two best players in the draft, and uh, uh, Travis Frederick and Terrence Williams, because Williams just stepped right in, and basically he was the guy that handed Miles Austin his walking papers. Once they got Williams playing. They said, we don't need to pay this oversized contract to Austin anymore. Uh, the guy can't stay on the field. And uh, so now they've got their number one, their number two. Um, I would still expect them to be taking a good hard look at some of the wide receivers. Uh, maybe if things fell right, they could even go wide receiver in the first round now that they've taken that pressure to have to worry about the defensive line uh, in the first round off with uh, signing Henry Melton. So... Williams is an important piece, but you know he's just he's the second piece, and that's you know that's what they needed. They had their star, they had their starter, and you know if, if Dez misses a game or two, the Williams can step in. That they got to ask somebody to come in then and backfill him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with all that. There, um, you kind of echoed something I said about Miles Austin during the season last year. I think I said that you know Williams. His slow emergence or was basically going to make Miles Austin, uh, you know, a, a forgotten man in Dallas, and you're just kind of hammering home by what, what we said back then. So thanks for uh, thanks for uh, bringing back that point up, and uh, you kind of led into the next question here too. What what is this team's number one priority in the draft? You know, now that they got the defensive tackle out of the way, at least for one more year. I know, I know a lot of teams are kind of looking at the the two safeties that are available there in the first and. Uh, Pryor and uh, Clinton Dix. Uh, what, what do you think is their number one priority in the draft? And maybe just what, what, are they, what are you thinking beyond maybe receiver in the first round? Well, I'm going to steal from from the best here. One of the writers in Dallas that I really uh, like to follow is named Mike Fisher. He sent out a tweet today. He said the number one priority in the draft for Dallas is not to draft for need. They need to look at who comes in, who they've got that fits what they do. Uh, that's why I don't think you see them drafting a Lewis Nix because he does not fit the defensive scheme. But set up their first their, their board, go in the first round, and then get the person that helps the team the most overall without getting locked into drafting position to a certain position and making a reach. That's what they kind of set themselves up for. That's what I'm going to be expecting. And they have, you know, there's a lot of needs. Uh, the only thing that would shock me early would be like a tight end, uh, running back, or a first-round quarterback. Just about anything else they did would probably be a benefit to the team. You know, I'd love to see a good linebacker. There's talk about maybe if they could get a good Mike, they could kick Sean Lee out to the will, and he wouldn't get banged up as much. So lots of things, lots of things. Love to see one of the safeties. I think the team might be more a prior decision there, going for Calvin Pryor rather than Clinton Dix. But I'm not privy to that stuff, so that's just kind of what I'm picking up from some of the rumbles of some of the writers. Well, and he brings up a very good point there, too. I mean, most of these teams that are 
those picks, you know, non-playoff teams that are picking, you know, like after the 15th overall between that and the 22nd, most of those teams, yes, they have needs, but they don't have as much big, big needs as, say, like Oakland or Cleveland. Um, and when you're looking at the draft board, you really just need to go best player there just because there's going to be, you know, the big names are going to be gone and you have to have your set of evaluation in front of you and just and just do what you think is best, you know, best player because, you know, maybe you can bring in that guy and he's going to be better than the guy you already have in that spot. Obviously, they're not going to be drafting a quarterback in the first round. But, uh, yeah, you, you bring us very good points and so does uh, your, your writer friend there, Fisher. Um, Nick, any more questions there for Tom? Um, yeah, I was wondering how confident is the team in the health of uh, the new acquisition, Henry Melton. You know, I know he was pretty limited last year. And uh, if he is healthy, do you think he's an upgrade over Jason Hatcher? And also just kind of wondering, you know, they were, they were one of the worst defenses in the league last year yardage-wise. Do you think losing some of these big names like Ware and Hatcher and some of the other guys might end up being kind of an addition by subtraction, you know, as talented as they may be? They weren't playing that well together, albeit a lot of injuries were suffered too. But do you think even just replacing those guys with younger guys could end up making it a better defense overall? Well, I look. At, I think it could be a better defense. It all remains to be seen, but it's from a little bit different angle. Uh, Melton's younger than Hatcher. I think he's a. Uh, I don't think he's any worse a player if he's healthy. Given the fact that Seattle and a lot of other people were very interested and were trying to get him, I think his medical report must look really good. So I'm guardedly optimistic about that. Um, the problem wasn't so much, you know, that they've lost Hatcher and where the problem uh, from last year was just that they played 20 different defensive linemen in the course of the season. They were plugging in just whoever they could find trying to keep things going and trying to find someone that could play at an NFL level. Uh, you know, having signed uh, McLean and Mincy, those guys are not going to be stars, but they're an upgrade over about 15 of the guys that they played last year. So they should have gotten better there. Um, hopefully Ben Bass and uh, Tyrone Crawford, both of whom were injured in the preseason and never saw the field really. Uh, well, I think Ben Bass was in for the very last game of the season. But uh, they hopefully will come in and be able to help a little bit. I do think you'll see some defensive lines somewhere in the draft, uh, you know, if they don't find one in the first round, there's lots of other people up and down. So I think they'll be adding some people there. Hopefully that's going to help. We had health problems, uh, some in the secondary that might help. You know, there's the, the mythical Matt Johnson, the player that has never really played that the team is very high on. If they can just get him healthy and get him out there, they think they've got something. You know, we hopefully we'll find out this year, but it's going to be getting people back in that I think should make it a little bit better. And I also think uh, moving Marinelli up to the uh, defensive coordinator and giving Kiffin kind of a, you know, consultant's kind of a job, which is really what he's doing now with the team, I think that's going to help too. I think uh, for the game day situation, I think Marinelli's going to make a difference on the field. So, you know, it's it's a time of optimism. Everybody's undefeated right now. We're all hoping it's going to happen. Like what the team is doing, and now we just got to see if they can get it all put together on the field. 
Uh, I've said this before in this podcast, but I, and, and, and that Dallas defense has taken a little heat, a lot, a, a lot of heat, I guess, over the last half of the last season. But when they lost John Lee in that Sunday night game against the Saints, that was it. That that defense just, and maybe you could agree with that, Tom, or maybe you could disagree with me, but that team just fell apart in that game, and I don't think they ever recovered. And Lee didn't, obviously wasn't healthy when he came back either. I just don't. I think that was a huge component to them losing Lee. I mean, he's such a great player. Yes, he's not as durable as he'd like to be, but he's such a great player and I think such a great leader. You don't hear him. You don't hear about that guy often, but he. I think he really leads that team on the field too. What, what, what do you think about that? Well, he's a quarterback. I don't think people realize how much he has to do with getting everyone lined up out there. Um, he is, from everything I can tell, he's very much in charge of those 11 guys on the field and making sure everybody's in place and doing what they're supposed to do. So, yeah, him going down was a bit of an emotional kick in the teeth. And then it was kind of snowballing. Ware was not playing well. Hatcher was getting beaten up because they were trying to carry so much of the load, I think, part of it. Uh, yeah, Marinelli's defense, really, ideally, you shouldn't see one of his linemen take more than about 60% of the snaps in the game. It's designed as a rotational system where you're sending fresh bodies in there so that you can keep the pressure up through the third and fourth quarter. They just could, didn't have that. The people they were trying to rotate in were just too much of a drop-off. Uh, you know, they started uh, Nick Hayden for 16 games, and the guy was like the second or third worst defensive tackle in the league, according to uh, Pro Football Focus's scoring system. And I think they, you know, they had a point. The team kind of likes him. He just was a little overwhelmed, and he needs some more work. So they're hoping to get some more pieces and get it all plugged in. We'll have to see how it all comes together. But, yeah, when Lee went down, it affects more than just the level of his play. It also didn't help that Bruce Carter was lost last year. I don't know what happened to him. He was a huge disappointment on the field for most of the games. Hopefully he can get whatever's wrong, which seemed to be somewhere between his ears, straightened out and come back to the He's a concern for us. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, with them shuffling all those defensive linemen, and with Lee not out there helping line those guys up, that's yeah, not, not necessarily a, a good situation there. Um, so uh, now to the fun question, Tom, um, and, and please, please be honest, I, and I know Nick's online, but be honest. Uh, out of all the teams in your division, who has the worst and most annoying fans? Have you ever heard of a guy named Jimmy Kimsky? Mm-hmm who is with the Philadelphia Eagles, just because he exists out there, the Eagles win the title. Uh, you know, really, uh, from what I can see, the Eagle fans are the ones that come at us. They're, the, they're where we get the worst trolling. And uh, I think part of it is just that they, you know, they've got a pretty good hope for this year. You know, they're feeling a little bit full of themselves. They've always been really bad, and I think it's just going to be a really bad year with the Eagles this year. <laughs> uh, aren't they always a little full of themselves? Uh, and, and I know Mark, our Eagles guy, is going to be on later, is probably chuckling at home. But, uh, yeah, you know, that, that team has been successful, and uh, but, uh, yeah, they still they, they don't have the ring yet. Uh, you can, I suppose you can always wave that, wave that in their face. But, uh, we yeah. do all the time. Um, and since I was not able to get a Giants blogger because they don't know how to respond to an email, would you like to say anything about the Giants? Uh, 
I am so focused on the Cowboys. The, the only thing I noticed, I saw a, a, a tweet come out that the Giants signed something like 19 free agents this year. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's an awful lot of turnover to be going through and a lot putting in there. So, uh, it, you know, they may have some you issues, but, you know, we'll have to see how it works out. Okay. You didn't have any, say, have any notes for their fans or any, anything about them personally? To be honest, the Giants fans in general, we've got uh, several guys that drop into our site that are actually rational and, and fun guys to have around and talk. Uh, you know, you can actually hold conversations with them and discuss the merits of the football players and not, you know, your personal hygiene and stuff. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, any more questions there, there for Tom, Nick? Um. Real quick, just uh, what's the fan base's take there on the Brandon Whedon signing? Uh, everything from people just going absolutely nuts for no reason to going to, to people that actually look at it and go like the guy's basically for free. Uh, you know, the total cap hit to the team was seventy five thousand dollars to bring Whedon on. Nothing <laughs> is guaranteed. They can cut him loose at any minute. Uh, they had to have another arm to go in because they only had the two, and for a while there were rumors about Orton, which have been kind of squelched. They had to have at least a third guy that could throw in. At least they know the guy can go out there and make some good throws in practice. You know, he does have two years of NFL experience. So I think he was just to come in and make sure that he could get through training camp. Then they're going to make a decision to go into the uh, the start of the year if they want to keep him as a third quarterback or maybe see if they've picked up something else to do. But basically, they can turn him loose at any moment they want to. It, it, it makes plenty of sense, and there's there's no downside. Yeah, yeah. It, it was more of just a organizational depth move, as they say, I think, in, in baseball. Well, yeah. uh, Tom, I, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us. Again, it's Tom Ryle. Uh, bloggingtheboys.com, SB Nation website, totally devoted to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we appreciate coming on. Hopefully we can have you back on again sometime. Good time. Just let me know. All right. Cool. Thanks, Tom. Bye. Okay. Okay. Uh, we will now move seamlessly to what Nick has been solely waiting for all week long. Uh, Mike, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you guys doing? Good. Uh, I'm going to go out of limb and try to pronounce your last name, uh, and I'm very sorry, but I've got to try it. Is it Mike Harar? You nailed it. You nailed it. It's not easy. Nailed it. All right. Great job. All right. Cool. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. It's Mike Harar from hogshaven.com, another SB Nation site solely devoted to the Washington Redskins. I love to pick on you SB Nation guys because you 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 know what you're talking about. I I, and I and I don't mean pick on. I mean just I hit you up because you're. Always nice and responsive, except for those Giants fans. Um, and you, you, you're always willing to come on and help us out. So, uh, absolutely, um, I absolutely. appreciate it, Mike. And I, and I know Nick is super excited, but I just want to get both you guys a little pumped up. So uh, we'll be right back in 28 seconds. <laughs>
Christy, I, that song is growing on me. I, I love that song. Goosebumps, goosebumps. Great song. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Nick, you have the floor, bud. Hit, hit him up. Uh, you just want to give us a quick recap of the ugly season that was in 2013, first off? <laughs> sure. Uh, there's not... Uh, what else can you say? It was it basically imploded um, while we watched. Uh, started off the season with a lot of promise, um, coming off a magical basis. There's no other way to describe it. Magical 2012. One of the most fun seasons I can remember watching um, and as a fan. And uh, to have so much promise going in, uh, you have Griffin, who can, can Robert Griffin come, come back from his knee injury, and he does. So, uh, you know, the, the fan base was pretty excited. Um, and to, for it to start off uh, with a game against the Eagles where they just got thrashed on national television, it was a terrible way to start the season. And it, uh, it picked up a little few games in where the offense started clicking a little bit. It looked like Griffin was getting his legs back. Um, and it got to a point where the defense looked like they were, part, they were the problem. They were giving up record amount of yards to, to offenses. Um, and then all of a sudden, the wheels fell off the offense as well. Um, the offensive line couldn't block anymore, and um, the losses just started piling up. Uh, you got these leaks coming out before games as the season was unwinding, just terrible leaks, allegedly from the Shanahan camp, but I don't know that that's ever been proven. And then Griffin gets benched. Uh, players that you depended on so much in 2012 – um, that you hoped could uh, provide uh, the same kind of support in 2013. You have your London Fletchers and your Santana Mosses that just didn't, just didn't perform like you'd hoped. Um, and of course, the secondary just was in a shambles. So uh, it just didn't work out. And uh, so now there's you know, new coaching, coaching change, um, kind of hope strings eternal here in D.C. Um, fans are a little cautious, but they like what they've seen with Gruden so far. Uh, I know I have. He's handled himself extremely well. And, um, you know, Griffin totally, supposedly 100% back um, going into the offseason. And so there's there's reason to be excited. Uh, but, yeah, last year was a terrible thing to watch. Hopefully we won't have a repeat this year. Uh, well, all that being said, what, what do you think is this team's biggest weakness right now? You know, watching that team last year, um, to, to me what jumped off the page, you know, a lot of people will say the secondary, which I don't disagree with. Um, some people say the offensive line. Don't necessarily disagree with that. But to me the biggest problem the team had was their pass rush. Um, it starts with the pass rush on defense. They, they really, I felt like they really weren't able to generate much. Um, so much of the time um, opposing quarterbacks had way too much time to just get the ball downfield. And with the secondary being banged up, the safeties, um, you know, you oftentimes going with uh, Reed Dowdy or Brandon Merriweather if he was able to play, um, Bakari Rambo, they, they were just getting torched. Um, and to me it all starts up front. Uh, I, I think if you can provide a pass rush, not give the quarterback three, four seconds, five seconds to throw sometimes, um, if they could shore that up. Uh, I think that would help with a lot of the issues going on the team right now. Okay, uh, Nick, what, what do you got? Okay, let's talk about the middle linebacker position. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Perry Riley's job is safe, and uh, 
linebacker Adam Hayward that they got from Tampa Bay is predominantly a special teams player, I think. So that leaves a couple right. of new uh, signings. Akeem Jordan from Kansas City and Daryl Sharpton from Houston, who I assume compete for the job. Do you have any thoughts on those two guys? You know, is one expected to start over the other, or is it going to be a 50-50 split based on their skill sets maybe for playing in the run in the pass? And uh, please tell me London Fletcher's retired. I love the guy, but last year was just <laughs> kind of painful to watch. It was. I think we've seen the last of him. Uh, he's still very active, though, on Twitter and in the community. Um, so I, I think he may still be around the team. But, no, I don't see there's any reason or any way that he'd be back in the fold. Um, I think they have high hopes for Keenan Robinson. Uh, he's a guy that showed a lot when he was in uh, a couple games uh, two years ago and just had terrible injuries that knocked him out um, for basically a larger part of the last two years. Uh, I think they feel comfortable, as you said, with Perry Riley coming in and taking over that Mike linebacker spot, kind of being uh, the quarterback of the defense. Um, I think he's, he's capable of that. Uh, he doesn't have that wow factor, but that's okay, as long as he can um, kind of hold, the, hold down the fort there. Um, and, but they, you're right, they, they did bring in a couple guys, King Jordan, uh, Daryl Sharpton, who probably are brought in to compete. With uh, with both Perry Riley and and Keenan Robinson, try to push them. Um, I think Daryl Sharpton's best days are probably in the past. Um, he had some good seasons with the Texans, but um, he still may have some left in the tank. And, and I, I like that signing. I, I did also like the Akeem Jordan signing. He, he's a he, I'm a I'm a JMU alum. He is too. He's from Harrisonburg. Um, he's never played for any other coach besides Andy Reid. Um, and uh, he's been, he was with the Eagles, with the Chiefs last year. He's capable of stepping in, too, and, and um, at least being uh, uh, hopefully a presentable stopgap, if you will, uh, if Keenan Robinson can't fill the bill. Um, so they have brought in some, some cheaper free agents to, uh, to come in and compete there. I agree. I think Adam Hayward is going to – he was brought in to be like the next Lorenzo Alexander. Uh, he's a good community guy, good special teams guy. They need that. Special teams was a, was a terrible weakness last year. Uh, they, they couldn't tackle. Uh, so they are bringing in guys that can do both, which I love. Uh, and I do think they will probably look in that direction as well come May when the draft uh, happens. Uh, I think they will probably still look there uh, if anyone can fall into their laps uh, with either maybe the second or third pick. I wouldn't be shocked uh, if they took someone there as well. Um, what are... Uh... What are some of your thoughts on uh, – I'm sorry, just lost my, lost my train of thought there. What, uh, what do you think, um, it, uh, for free agency-wise, do you think there's anybody else out there that they're looking at? Or, I mean, I think, it seems to me over the last couple of weeks things are kind of dying down here for everybody. Is there, is there anybody out there that you see them snatching on? Oh, sure. I mean, it has slowed down, you're right. But uh, one thing that – well, two names that have been very public – uh, Ryan Clark, a safety that that has been with Pittsburgh for several years, but um, was with the, the Redskins back when they had Sean Taylor. So it's been a while now. Uh, very, they had a very uh, public um, display of, of attraction there. Uh, he came into the Northern Virginia area, left without a contract, um, and I know fans on Twitter are constantly watching to see, oh, are they going to bring him in? I, I, from what we understand, there is a contract offer on the table. They're just kind of waiting to hear back from him. And I believe he's probably holding out to see if uh, something with more money involved comes in play. Uh, another player that they've, they've, reports are they've been very interested in is Kenny Britt. Um, 
wide receiver from the Titans uh, with some injury history, um, but also with a lot of talent. Um, and so th- they've been kind of waiting on him, too, uh, to see if uh, he'll accept their offer. They've been doing this approach where they're not going to break the bank for anybody. Um, they did uh, with one exception, um, and that was when they brought in Jason Hatcher from the Cowboys defensive lineman. Uh, they gave him a four-year deal for $27 million. Um, that's been the exception to the rule this year. So it's been a different approach than fans thought they were going to get, which I think uh, from a fan perspective, there's been a little bit of disappointment there initially because a lot of the big names came and went. Redskins didn't sign any of them. Um, that's uh, th- What they've done is they've gone with the second and third tier approach. Um, I, as we look at it and as it's gone on, I, I, I like it. Um, and, and if they can kind of do things uh, not on the cheap but in a frugal way and still bring in some guys that are hungry and want to play versus the old approach of throwing a lot of money at somebody that's done well somewhere else, they come here, they're fat and happy, they don't do anything. Um, this is a different approach, and I like it. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I think with Britt and Clark, they're waiting to see what will happen. Um, outside of that, I haven't heard too many other names that they've been associated with. You never know. There are surprises that come. Uh, just this morning, Jared Allen signed with the Bears. Nobody saw that coming. Um, so, you know, you, you could wake up tomorrow and get some kind of surprise uh, to pop out. Uh, but, no, I think for now they're going to probably stay this course. Uh, and then wait till May and see what happens in the draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I like the the Kenny Britney out there. You know, he's only 25, 26 years old. I think that guy still mm-hmm. has a lot of football left in him. Obviously, he's had uh, some injury history, but he's one of those guys that when he's fully healthy, he's he's a pretty exceptional player. I think uh, he could be uh, a difference maker in that in that offense in the or in any offense really in the in the right. I think he could certainly be a, a nice contributor. Nick, uh, you have any more questions there for Mike? Uh, yeah, you know, Jordan Reed, the tight end, looked really good last year before he got injured. How confident are they in his, uh, his ability to stay healthy? And even if they are, you know, Greg Gruden ran a lot of two tight end sets in Cincinnati. Do Logan Paulson and Niles Paul really fit the new scheme, or do you think they might possibly look at a tight end in the draft and possibly, like, round three through five? I, I think that would probably be something they would look at. Um, I, I know that Jordan Reed is someone who they're very excited about. Um, Logan Paulson is a guy that's never going to be a huge pass receiver, but he is a great blocker, and they like what they have with him. Niles Paul was kind of a Mike Shanahan project, you know, converted from a wide receiver to a tight end and didn't seem to pan out, um, maybe like Shanahan had hoped. So that's one of the things when you get a new coach to come in like a Jay Gruden, um, you don't know exactly what you're going to get. Um, his track record, Cincinnati, was a, was one of a guy that liked to throw the ball more than he liked to run. Um, I think overall his, his average there was he threw the ball 59% of the time. Um, so he, at least with the personnel he had there, he looked to pass first uh, a lot of the time. And, um who knows? Uh, as you look at the Redskins, they were built for the run. They've got a guy like Alfred Morris who can just carry the load, carry a game for you. I would hate to see that go away. Um, so, you know, and, and Jay Gruden's never had anybody like Alfred Morris to, to kind of base his, his team around and base the running game around. So I'll be curious to see if his, uh, his past history continues with his uh, aptitude to want to, or his likelihood to want to want to throw the ball. Now, Back to the tight end question, Jordan Reed can be special. If he can stay healthy, and I think they think he can. I know he has some concussion issues, which is always a little scary, but 
Um, he's just a talented guy, big guy. When he's on, it's hard to cover him. Um, so I'm sure they're going to use him to the best of their ability and try to keep him healthy. Um, you probably will see some double tight end sets with him and Logan Paulson. Maybe if Niles Paul can kind of put things together and kind of uh, kind of develop, they, he could potentially be another good guy you might see um, double sets with, with Sam and Reed. Uh, but, yeah, I do think they will probably try to bring in a later round tight end. I don't think they would use a higher draft pick on it. They don't have a lot this year. You know, they, they gave up their first-round pick. Um, so they're without a first-round pick. They have one pick in each of the other rounds. Um, I, I believe, uh, based on things I've seen and the fact that they just need players, um, they will probably look to trade back and, um, and acquire more picks. And if they are able to do that, yeah, I would certainly look for them to try to maybe find another pass-receiving tight end that could uh, eventually complement Reed in the offense. Yeah, they um, uh, the kid out of Iowa. I know I'm not saying his right his name right, but we we've, we've talked about him a lot. Uh, uh, CJ Fedorowitz. Uh, I think he's a guy that could could be around there in that you know third to fifth round realm. Um, kind of an underrated pass catcher. Not a guy that was heavily used at Iowa, but I think he mm-hmm. uh, has some good hands and he could certainly uh, be good. Um, I I really hope that Jordan Reed comes back because he's on my keeper fantasy football team and I and I and I need him to come back health. I was <laughs> I was seeing I think he, shades of Jimmy Graham last year and I was oh, just sure. licking my chops. Yeah. Oh sure. He had games where he was dominant and, and Griffin started to see it. You could see Griffin was using him as kind of a comfort blanket there before the benching occurred, um and before the injury occurred with, with Reed. Uh, I think I think Griffin really likes having Reed on the team, and it's hard for any linebacker or safety to cover him. So yeah, from a keeper standpoint, oh sure, I'd want him on my team absolutely. Yeah, ex- an exceptional athlete from that tight end position, certainly. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so we've kind of talked about the draft, and you, you, you've you've hinted a little little things here and there. But what what do you think this team's number one priority is? You know, a lot of people have them going inside linebacker or linebacker in that and with that first pick in the second round or with their first pick which is in the second round. Um mm-hmm. any more any more thoughts there and now they've now that they've signed some linebackers, is there a different direction you think they're going? I don't know that they would look to do inside linebacker or to go inside linebacker with that second with that second round pick, their first pick. Um, just based on some of the, the the prospects that I've seen that are out there, I think a lot of the ones are they, they won't go first round. That you probably have a better fit for them in the third round. Um, I think second round they they're going to of course go with the best player available, but um, I, I think they would more so be likely to look at either a cornerback um, or even another wide receiver. And this depends on you know what happens with the Brit situation and with the Ryan Clark situation. Uh, let's say they don't sign either one of them. Uh, I, I think they would look at the deep draft this year for wide receivers. Um, I like a lot of the names out there. I know you posted uh, on your Twitter page one of the uh, – I've been doing a lot of uh, – for Hawks David, I've been doing a lot of the wide receiver um, uh, prospects uh, articles, and there's just a lot of good ones this year. Uh, you, you, you listed Paul Richardson today. Uh, he's a fast guy, tall. They need speed on this offense. That's one thing Gruden loves, and he doesn't have a whole lot of it after Pierre Garçon. Um, so they're going to need uh, a speed, more speed on this team, um, especially if he wants to run a similar offense. And they just don't have it. They did bring in Andre Roberts from the Cardinals, 
uh, free agency. But uh, from all accounts, you know, hey, if he can turn into a, a second option at receiver, that's great. Uh, I think maybe a lot of people view him as a second or third option. Um, but there's just a, a lot of guys, I think, at uh, the receiver spot that um, they could get. Uh, I like uh, Odell Beckham. I like Allen Robinson from Penn State. I think he'd be a great pick up there with that second with that second round pick. Um, if they didn't go in that direction, I think I'd probably look at them to maybe uh, look at a corner. Um, and with and I, a couple of the names I've seen uh, that I like are Kyle Fuller, um, Bradley Roby out of Ohio State. Um, I think they those guys would be available. They did sign Tracy Porter. Um, um, with an uh, in free agency, so it may be a situation where they feel they're okay there. But um, I, I like the idea of them going after to get a young corner um, because right now they have D'Angelo Hall on one side, and then the rest of the guys are are unknowns. Uh, we have Amerson, David Amerson from last year. He he showed a lot of potential. He was a high-round pick last year. Um, but we just don't know what we're going to get with him. So if I were the Redskins, I, I would like to see them go in the direction of either a cornerback or maybe a wide receiver with that second pick. Yeah, it's going to be a, an availability issue. I think this we've said, I think about every week, that this draft is deep in wide receivers. So they could maybe wait there. Um, I, I kind of agreed with you there. I had uh, Bradley Roby go into them in the second of my mock my ongoing kind of on-shifting mock draft right now, I have them going uh, with Bradley Roby in the second. Shane Scoff out of Stanford in the 30s, an inside linebacker. Obviously, that could change now with uh, them bringing Jordan in. Um, and another right. guy out there that I, that, I, that I like that the Redskins should maybe think about round three or four is uh, a guy named from Montana out of, named uh, Jordan Tripp. Now, he's a small school guy. He showed really well at the Senior Bowl, and uh, I think he's a – a good a good energy guy that could really help help this team uh, get fired up. Uh, any any more any more thoughts on on the draft there? Um, no, I just I think that they are going to look to go um, speed um, more than they have in the past. Um, you know, in the past as well with Shanahan, they 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 seem to look for those more kind of athletic, mobile offensive linemen that may shift a little under the new regime. Um, but I do think they're going to want to fill some holes, and they've got a lot. Uh, the right side of the offensive line, they could use an influx of new talent there. Uh, and, again, I'd say the, I think the wide receiver spot, uh, unless they do get Britt, uh, I think they will go for one of those talented wide receivers that are coming out. Um, and eventually, too, they may want to look at outside linebacker because, you know, they have the big two with Kerrigan and Arakpo, uh, but Rob Jackson might go elsewhere. Um, and they may look for a little bit of depth at that spot as well. Um, so, you know, you 3-13 and 13 team last year, they're going to have a lot of holes, which is why I think they probably will go with pro- uh, quantity more than not. I don't want to say they don't want quality, of course, but they're going to go for it. They're going to try to get an influx of as many guys as they can just because they need it. They're going to need that competition to push guys and to try to make the team better. All right, uh, Nick. Any more thoughts on your uh, your Redskins draft, and uh, any more questions there for uh, for Mike? Uh, well, we were able to re-sign D'Angelo Hall before free agency started, and after seeing some of the monies, some of the money, some of the corners got in free agency, his contract looks like a steal. You know, did he j- misjudge the market, or did he take the quote-unquote hometown discount to stay in DC? It may have been a little bit of both. 
Um, you know, he had a great year last year. Um, came had, had quite a comeback. Um, he was his covering skills were better. He he was spurring on the defense as the early part of the season with his interceptions and returned one or two for a score. He had a fumble recovery for a score and an interception for a score. He was keeping us in a few of those games early on last year. Um, I didn't know if there'd be a little more competition for him this year. The home de- the hometown discount probably did play in. He's a local guy. Um, and likes being here. Uh, he'll get to play for the same defensive staff that he played with uh, the last several years. So I'm sure that played into it. And I love the signing. I do. They, they, didn't, pay, they didn't break the bank for him again. I don't think they would have. Um, but he's just a guy that uh, they like to have in the locker room. And if he can repeat what he did last year, uh, be that defensive captain who can keep his emotions in check, because that's the problem I find a lot of times with him is he will lose um, some control sometimes on the field. Sometimes that spurs the guys on, but sometimes it can be a distraction. Um, so I like that signing. They really kind of had to. If you look at who else was on the team, um, again, before the Tracy Porter signing, they really didn't have much else. Josh Wilson's gone now. Um, uh, EJ Biggers is probably not coming back. So they really needed that stability back there, and that's kind of what he is now. He's kind of the, the stable force of our cornerbacks. And, uh, no, I think it was a great pick. And I, I, look, I, I think he will be hungry this year and look to uh, – I think he, we could see a repeat of what he did last year for sure. Uh, yeah, there's uh, – they need that veteran guy. They haven't really had that, uh, that veteran DB that they can rely on since, of course, the immortal Daryl Green. And I know both of you guys will smile <laughs> when I say his name. But I, I yeah. as a, fo- a football fan, have a, a, all the respect in the world for that guy. I mean – I, I don't want to reminisce too much, but I am going to for one second. I I think I was even watching the game with Nick and our good friend Kevin. Uh, it was a Monday night game where he got he got burned at the line. He tripped or something like that. The receiver just burned him and looked like he was going to run for an 80-yard score. I'm pretty sure it was the Giants or Eagles, but I know it was a division foe. And just before that receiver got to the 10-yard line, you saw this little flash, and it was Daryl Green stripping the ball from him. I'm just like, that is an NFL player. That guy never gave up. He fell right away, and he bounced back up on his feet and, and hunted it down. So, uh, Darryl Unbelievable. Green. Yeah, I mean, he was a Hall of Famer. Um, I, it, this was my younger years watching him. But uh, he was an automatic Hall of Famer. He, he had something yeah. that all the greats have, in my opinion. He always was worried about not making the team. He was always worried about getting beat. I think the fact that he was short uh, drove him to want to prove everybody wrong. And, uh, and of course, the speed helped, being the NFL's fastest man for a lot of years. But unbelievable guy. I mean, and just a nice guy, too. You know, you see him around the D.C. community here. And uh, he's very approachable. He'll talk to anybody. And um, I would say, you know, D'Angelo Hall, I, I wouldn't ever compare the two because it's apples and oranges. But yeah. <laughs> um, Hall can be a stabilizing force back there. Uh, uh, and Green was that for a lot of years um, and, and carried that defensive secondary. So, yeah, um, I think uh, there are some similarities there. But, um, no, uh, Redskin fans would, would, would track me down and kill me if I ever compared <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying they need a leader like that. They need, obviously everybody needs another Daryl Green on their team, but yeah, they need a a, a leader like he was. Um, sure, they don't questions? make him. They're, they don't make anybody like Daryl Green too much, though. Unfortunately, no, they don't. <laughs> uh, Nick, any more questions for Mike before we get to the fun questions? Uh, no, I'll just say about Daryl Green. He played 20 years and never lost his speed. I don't see that ever happening again. Uh-uh. He's yeah. a freak of nature. 
He's a freak of nature. Yep. Is the only way to describe it. So, um, so yeah, you'll never, you may never see something like that again. You just won't. Yeah, especially at that position. Yeah. But anyway, uh, uh, Daryl Green, we, we obviously, we obviously love you, buddy. Uh, <laughs> so the fun question: Out of all the teams in your division, who has the worst and most annoying fan? And I'm going to let yeah, Nick can... answer this too, but you go first. Okay, I'll go first. Um, to me, uh, even though as a Redskins fan, the team you love to hate is the Cowboys, of course, um, and they're probably the most hated team. To me, the worst fans are the Philadelphia Eagles fans, uh, and I don't know what, what Nick thinks about this, but uh, just uh, there's a certain cockiness level that you don't get everywhere, and it's definitely there. And I have some friends that are Eagles fans, nice guys, but I can't talk Redskins with them. Uh, and it's amazing because they're fans of a team that have never won a Super Bowl. But, uh, boy, in my mind, they are probably one of the worst out there. Nick? You know, my opinion might be different if I lived out there on the East Coast, but uh, out here on the west part of the country, I run into so many Cowboys fans that are just mm. so gung-ho about their Cowboys, but they couldn't name more than two players on the entire team. And <laughs> But, you know, they're the loudest people in the bar every time. So, that, to me, it's a Cowboys fan. Well, what makes them annoying is because a lot of them aren't from Dallas. And I will say, at least with Eagles fans, they're usually from the area. Um, but you have just like Duke or Miami Heat, you know, you've got Cowboy fans all over the place. Uh, and that that part does bother everybody, of course, because they're probably not really Cowboy fans of this bandwagon jumpers. Not, it hasn't been much of a bandwagon to jump on lately, but uh, but uh, that, that part is, is bad. But, no, Eagles fans to me are just the worst because of how they, just how cocky they are. And I'm not sure quite what they're cocky about, but they're very cocky. And, and I'll say this about Cowboys fans. I got a buddy, Dustin, who's been on the podcast before. Huge Cowboys fan, knows everybody on the team, he, and he knows what he's talking about. But him as a whole, he doesn't like being approached by Cowboys fans because this guy always, Dustin himself, always, always wearing Cowboys gear. I mean, always wearing Cowboys gear. And he doesn't like being approached by Cowboys fans because they don't, they just, they, they always want to talk about the Cowboys, and he says they hardly know anything about them, it seems. And uh, it seems they're, like like uh, Nick said, they are always the loudest person in the room. So, um, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and believe me, uh, the D.C. area has their has our share of them. They're, they're very evident, trust me. <laughs> Maybe it's the boots that make them so loud. But anyway, uh, Mike, uh, Mike Harar, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Again, it's Mike Harar, hogshaven.com, SB Nation website, Anything you need to know about the Redskins, you go there and check out Mike and his gang. They know what they're talking about. Um, I know I know Nick is going to be there on that website a lot more often. I want to thank you so much, Mike, for uh, giving us giving us 20-plus minutes of your time. Absolutely. Anytime, guys. Really had fun with you. All right. We'll, we'll hit, we will hit you up again. I'm sure, I'm sure Nick will be wanting to do so. so take care, buddy. Appreciate it. <laughs> take care, guys. Okay, did you get your Redskins sale, Nick? I did, and actually I am already a frequent visitor of the Hogshaven site. It is a great site, like you said. <laughs> All right, cool. Now we are joined by uh, uh, my good buddy Mark T. Wilson. Mark um, is uh, 
Uh, also on Blog Talk Radio, you can find him at uh, True Love Sports Talk. Uh, BlogTalkRadio.com backslash True Love Sports Talk. Mark, how are you, how are you doing today, Mark? <laughs> I'm doing real good, even with all the uh, Eagles fans talks. <laughs> usually, usually the team that gets bashed on is the team that uh, happens to be the, the blogger that's at the end. That happened with the Jets fans, but you should have heard our Jets fans go off about the Dolphins. But anyway, I know I, you, it, you'll have your time to bash here at the end. Uh, Mark, first, first, first question, what's it like being an Eagles fan in the Bronx, New York? Oh, man, it's, uh, I think out of as big as New York is, we maybe have one bar in the whole city where you can watch an Eagles game. <laughs> and, and it's like watching the game in a closet. You know, they offer, you know, the cheese sticks for $5, you know, unlimited draft beer, but as soon as the game over, you got to get out. They have no love <laughs> for us in here in the city. Oh. <laughs> uh. Uh, again, we're here on the Roto-Rob Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we are talking with Mark T. Wilson of True Love Sports Talk. Find him on Blog Talk Radio backslash True Love Sports Talk. Um, I don't know why, Mike, but I want to say maybe it's because of your intro on your podcast, but I want to sound like Michael Buffer when I say your name. I want to be like, Mark T. Wilson! And then somehow it turns into Dennis Dennis the Menace yelling at Mr. Wilson right in the middle of there. But anyway, anyway, I thought I'd put that out there. Yep, all right. Uh, so uh, let's get to the Eagles. Uh, what, uh, what, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, this the season that was? Obviously, uh, the made the playoffs. You saw uh, an emergence of your new uh, your new quarterback, and uh, you got to be pretty excited about that. Uh, obviously, you didn't win a game in the playoffs. So, what are some of the observations you took away from the season? I mean, as as much as I bleed Eagles green, I can't lie and say I'm like everybody else. Oh, I knew it was going to happen. No, I did not know. For one, I'm not a big uh, college football follower, so I didn't know too much about Chip Kelly coming in. I just, I mean, 13 years, I was a big Andy Reid fan, you know, win or lose. And, you know, what a lot of Eagles fans uh, seem to forget is that during his last season, I mean, Andy Reid, was going through a personal tragedy also. You know, I mean, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how it is to lose a child. And then you still have to come out every day and coach a team and still have to, you know, relive that in the media. So, I mean, he went through a hard, you know, a hard year. And, you know, we finished 4-12. and 12, And then, you know, Lori and him said, well, I'm going to give you a kick in the butt and I don't want you coaching my team anymore. Okay, so they bring in a college coach. Now, you know, this is not uh, uh, Pete Carroll. You got a college coach who now you have to come into a, a league and a team where you're coaching veterans, some guys even your age. And you're thinking, you know, they have, they have to listen to it. And I was quite surprised at how fast they listened. I knew Chip Kelly meant business when he came and said, the quarterback position is open. I was like, dang, you're just going to do that to Mike Vick like that? I mean, that's when you knew he meant business. So, I mean, I was surprised 10-6 ten, ten was a big surprise, even though the rest of the league sucked. Uh, you know, Cowboys fans and, you know, Redskins fans. You guys sucked. Giants fans, everybody sucked. Even the Eagles sucked at a point. Someone had to do, uh, to win the division. Thank God it was the Eagles. But, um, I mean, I was surprised at his, uh, his approach to offense. I, like I said, I didn't watch Oregon. I had no idea the guy was an uh, offensive genius like Bill Walsh. I had no idea. And I see what he did with that team, and I saw – 
what he did with Nick Foles, which was surprising. There's not an Eagles fan alive that can say we wore a Nick Foles jersey prior to him <laughs> becoming a starter in the NFL. Finally won, and I call him yeah. a liar. Yeah. But, yeah, or his yeah, mom. I was, I was surprised. Yeah. <laughs> but his mom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, you bring up some good, some good points there. Obviously, there was a weird point in the middle of the season, it seemed like, and I'm sure Nick can attest to this, too, as a Redskins fan. Nobody wanted to win that division. It just it seemed like, what's going to happen here? You know, Dallas looked like to be like their control, and then they just didn't want to play, and then their defense went down the tubes. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was a weird season for that division as a whole. Um, Nick, do you have any questions there for Mark? Uh, yeah, you know, not only am I a Redskins fan, but I'm also a big Ducks fan, so I was pretty familiar with Chip Kelly and pretty scared, actually, when you guys hired him. Uh, you know, now that you've seen his offense and him work with quarterbacks for a year, you know, there's been the rumors that Mark Sanchez might be coming to town. How confident are you in Chip Kelly's ability to coach up Sanchez if he did come to Philly? And would he be the number two over Matt Barkley? And also, you know, while we're on quarterbacks, uh, I like Nick Foles a lot. I think he's the real deal. But if he were to struggle early on, how long do you think his leash would be if there was a Mark Sanchez behind him? That's a very good question. The weird thing about that is Chip Kelly coached Oregon. Maybe somewhere deep inside he wanted to coach USC because right now he seems to have two USC quarterbacks on his team. So maybe there's something that we don't know about. But uh, as far as Sanchez goes, the signing, well, the soon-to-be signing of Sanchez, I think it's a good, I think it's a good signing. I mean, you're not going to pay Sanchez all that money that the Jets were paying him, so you're getting him like kind of dirt cheap. It's like the it's like the Cowboys and Brandon Whedon, even though I think uh, Sanchez is better. But you're getting a proven winner. They can say what they want about Sanchez. He's running to the butt of the center and fumbling the ball. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Sanchez has been in two AFC championship teams. Don't start Sanchez this season. I don't care who gets hurt. Start him when you get to the playoffs. You'll make the championship games if he's starting for uh, for your team in the playoffs. He's a you know his completion percentage sucks. It's just something about that. He's like the Tim Tebow of of of, of New York. Like, I mean, he gets he can just win if he has the talent around him. And I think with the coaching of Kelly, it's quite possible he can you know he can get a start he can get a starting job next year somewhere. And like uh, you, you touched on Nick Foles, I th- yeah, I think Nick Foles is a real deal. I I don't know where he came from. I don't know what happened, you know, this season, but something happened. And it, it, it was magical for us, and I'm happy that we got him. Sorry, Mike Vick. You know, I love you and everything, but Nick Foles is man, and it just goes like that. Matt Barkley, <sighs> well, yeah, he, well, yeah, he can hold clipboards and get Gatorade for you know for everybody else. But uh, Sanchez <laughs> would be the second. He would be the uh, the backup quarterback to uh, Nick Foles. Yeah, you know. Barkley was just a rookie last year. He's, he's still got he's still got some time. I mean, I'm, I'm not knighting him as a starting quarterback anywhere, but he's still got some he's got some things to learn. Obviously, he can't. There's there's very few Andrew Locks out there, right? Ugh. Yeah. Uh, now, what the what do you think this team's biggest weakness is right now, Mark? Oh my God! As good as the offense is, and we all know they can score points. The 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 flip side to that is. The more points you score and the quicker you score, the more your defense is on the field. That's that's one thing Chip has to work out. The, oh man, the defense was just 
horrible last year. I mean, it, I mean, they they came on in the last couple of games of the season because they had to. They had to make the playoffs. They had to win. So defense kind of buckled up, but the weakness of the defense will be the the secondary. And they went out and they signed uh, Malcolm Jenkins, which which I'm 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 an old school football fan. I love the Ronnie Lodge, the John Lynches of the NFL. Somebody, if you come across that middle, I'm gonna make you not want to come across the middle anymore. You need to knock the mouth, you know, the mouthpiece out of their mouth. I was saying, movie the program. I want to see snot bubbles. I, I want you to hit somebody, <laughs> and that's what Malcolm Jenkins brings. And you know, Patrick Chung, you can go back to uh, uh, to the Patriots and Tom Brady and them. We need a hitter, and they got Malcolm Jenkins. The secondary needs help. I'm hoping they draft some good players, but the secondary needs help. Uh, the pass rush, uh, we had like 37 sacks last year. That's just that's that's not right. I'm Reggie Bush. I mean, not Reggie Bush. Reggie White, Clyde Simmons. I'm Seth Jordan. I'm with those guys. 37 sacks is not going to cut it in the NFL. So they need to step their game up as far as uh, as far as defense goes. Defense by far is the weakest link. <laughs> Okay. Uh, what What are some of your other thoughts, kind of, on this free agency period? Uh, uh, is there anybody out there you think they're looking at still? Things are kind of slowing down now. But anybody out there you think they they can nab? Yeah, like the the big talk, but not big, uh, the big thing. And Eagles fans are going crazy. Oh, we signed Darren Sproles. I'm, I'm, I mean, he's he's a good player. I'm I'm so happy we got the guy. But you got the NFL leading rusher like 1,600 yards or over 2,000 total yards from scrimmage. And now you're saying, we're going to take some of that away from you with Darren Sproles. I mean, Darren Sproles is a good player, but I don't think he was a necessary need for the Eagles. Now, it only mm-hmm. costs a fifth-round pick. So, okay, cool, maybe he can do kick returns. But the Eagles also were fifth and, you know, in special teams. So you're bringing a player to a team who's good but not necessarily needed. What we needed was a – possession receiver, not a kick returner slash running back. We, we didn't need that. Now you're taking away from Bryce Brown carries. We had everything in the offense. You need to improve the defense. And, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't understand the, the signing of, 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 of Sproles, but, I mean, you know, for, for writers and bloggers, hey, it was a good pickup. Mm-hmm. I, I think when – when it's third and seven, and you got Sproles on one side of Foles and and McCoy on the other, and a shotgun, I think you're going to see some defensive coordinators drop their pants. I think you're, I think you're going to, I think you're going to like, I think you're going to like that sighting. He's going to, he's going to, he's not going to be a huge part of your offense, but what he gives, it's going to be, it's going to be really nice. I, I don't think he's going to take too much away from McCoy. I think it's going to take actually less off of Sproles' plate, and when he's in there, you're going to see some some nice nice effective moves. Obviously, they have other issues they need to address, but I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a nice move. You're not going to be too uh, too too un, unhappy there, and I'm sure Nick can attest to this. Chip Kelly knows how to use those little speed burners in his offense, and he's gonna he's gonna make some things happen with Sproles. Nick, what, any more questions there from Mark? Uh, well, I agree with Sproul. That's a, I think it's a great signing, and he's going to be, you know, like you said, not a huge part of the offense, but he's going to be a key part, you know, helping out on third downs and whatnot. Uh, I was wondering, who do you think is the biggest threat to uh, to the Eagles as far as the Eagles' chances at repeating it, division champion? It's sad to say, and I really hate to say it, but it's, it's, it's still going to be the Cowboys. I mean, the Giants, and I hope none of my New York friends are listening to me right now, 
but I mean, they just it's they got too much going on over here. It's just it's it's, it's too much. The Redskins, they quarterback is healthy ten percent of the time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's always going to be the Cowboys because I mean they have the offense where they they can improve their defense. It's yeah, it's always going to be them. I, I I don't see the Giants or the Redskins, you know, making a major leap this season. It's always, it's going to be the Eagles. Or uh, in the uh, in the Cowboys. Okay, um, what uh, what do you think this team's number one priority is in the draft? Um, I got I got them going with the uh, the kid out of Louisville in the first, uh, Calvin Pryor. Um, what what were some of your thoughts there? Wow, that's who I had. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's who a lot of people had. I don't think we're going out on too much of a limb there, but go ahead. Yeah, prior or if if um, I like the kid Denard out of uh, Michigan State, uh, if they can somehow somehow grab him, uh, I think that would be lovely because he plays great man to man press press defense, which we need. Uh, if you can get a good cornerback who can shut down uh, half of the field like Sherman or or Revis in his, well, Revis still can do it, but you get a guy who can do that. That, that 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 eliminates so much because Eagles gave up almost 300 yards passing per game. You can't win like that. So yeah, I think uh, me, I would love Denard uh, to come in and uh, and and step right up, or Fuller, one of those guys to come and step right up. Sure, yeah, Denard can hit too, which I know I know you would that'd be nice and pleasing to you. Oh um, yeah. And, a uh, couple, a couple other guys I kind of have them looking at later on. Uh, Scott Crichton, defensive end out of Oregon State, kind of a, kind of a tall, lanky guy, but I think he could be a, a nice, a nice edge rusher. Um, uh, another cornerback, if they don't go cornerback in the first, a guy that's going to be around, a big, kind of a six-three-two-twenty kind of guy, uh, Stanley Jean Baptiste out of Nebraska, a, a nice physical corner, maybe not the. The best coverage guy, maybe take him a year or two to learn, but I think he could certainly add a lot to that defense. And like I said, Andy can Andy can hit. Um, and I think they should maybe look at a receiver kind of later on in the draft. There was a lot of a lot of good talent out there and a lot of big guys too, like a Brandon Coleman out of Rutgers. Uh, he could certainly help make, like you said, get those get them a possession receiver. Um, but uh, what are your thoughts there? Hey, well, drafting a receiver. I see, like the mess that they have on going on now with Jackson. I, I, who knows how to even describe the mess with Jackson? We, like you said, we're going to eventually we're going to need another receiver. Maybe we can grab one third or fourth round somewhere around there. But you're going to need that that maybe six six four six five type receiver. It, everybody needs a possession receiver. It's cool to step the ball and do a playground move and just run straight down the field. My grandmother can do that. You need somebody, you need a Welsh Walker or somebody, you know, uh, uh, somebody got a practical burst when he was playing. Somebody that's, that's going to give you those, you know, eight, like I said, those eight to nine yards, like a, like, so like a Darren Sproles. Somebody that's not afraid yeah. to go across that middle and take that big hit and get that first down. That's why I was I was hurt when they let Jason Avant go. Why? And people joke, oh, Avant only averages 35 catches a year. Yeah, but Avant also averages like 35 first downs a year. <laughs> you need you need yeah. that and they let that go. So like I said, maybe in that third or fourth round they can go grab one of those, you know, those nice receivers with you know, we need hands. It's cold yeah. in Philly. 
You need hands, yeah. and you need those first downs. So I'm, I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping that you're right, and they can go grab a receiver somewhere uh, in this draft. Mm. Uh, Nick, any more questions there from Mark? Uh, yeah, you know, let's stick with the receiver topic. You know, uh, I was wondering how confident are they in the health of Jeremy Macklin? I know they only gave him a one-year deal, kind of like a prove-it type of deal, I think. And uh, if they do get rid of Deshaun Jackson, which is kind of expected at this point, you know, they say in this draft everybody wants to trade down. I think that means that it'll be a lot cheaper than normal for teams that would like to trade up. Do you think there's any chance of them maybe trading up to take one of the top two receivers in the draft? Now, it depends on, like, I mean, Jackson signed a five-year deal. Jackson said, I want more money, a la uh, Darrell Reeves. Now, if you want to trade him, I don't want no third Second round, I want a first round pick for him. He's a top flight receiver that he proved, you know, last year. So if I get him, you give me your maybe 20th draft pick or something like that, and I can go get one of these top receivers out of here. Macklin is, he's iffy. Like, you know, he's hurt one year, then plays like 10 games next year. That's what they only give him that one year deal because it's like an insurance policy. He might last only eight games. So now you throw all your weight on Raleigh Cooper? Seriously? It's like the you you throwing all your eggs in one basket pretty much on Cooper and and uh and Macklin. Because like you said, I, I, I believe that Deshaun Jackson is, is going to lead the Eagles. So now you have no choice but to try to trade up and get one of the top receivers. I'm hoping that the Eagles know what they're doing. I really, really do. Uh no, I read something this morning that Jackson is going to stay put. So I I don't know. I mean, it, it, the things are all over. I feel like we've talked about him for three weeks now. I don't I don't know where he's going to end up. Uh, maybe he'll end up in Seattle. How about that? I don't, I'm that no. I don't know. No. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. We talked about we joked about him going to Dallas last last week too. Maybe two prima donna receivers would would be enough for them to do something. But anyway, I, I don't know where he's going to go. But obviously, if he goes, that's going to be a big need for him. Uh, you know, when you talk about possession receivers, uh, you kind of threw a couple older names out there. One guy that I always think about when you say possession receiver is Derek Mason. Obviously, he's probably forty five years old and he's not making any NFL comebacks in that. But you need another. You need another guy like that. He was not afraid to go over the middle. You know, and yeah. honestly, you, you maybe, they maybe should have jumped in on the James, jo- James Jones boat. I think that's another, another guy that's out there right now that has no problem going up and getting balls. Uh, much respect for that guy, and I, I love the fact that he's an Oakland Raider now. I think he could be a, a good component for them. Uh, but, yeah, you, it's, I don't know if you can find a rookie that's going to give you that type of play. You know, usually those guys kind of mature into that type of so yeah. uh, I don't know if anybody's left out there, but uh, it, it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting interesting game. See see how that draft goes. So uh, uh, I should let you know too, Mark. We are doing a uh, a live show during the draft, and you are certainly welcome to call in and uh, spout off about what you think the Eagles did did with that first pick and how you, and how you how you feel about it. So I'll, I'll keep you in the loop on that. All right, but okay, no problem. Okay, uh, Nick, any more questions there about the Eagles? Um, you know, you alluded earlier to uh, how bad they were about defending the pass. You know, do you blame that more on a lack of pass rush or just a bad secondary? And if it's the secondary, do you think uh, signing Malcolm Jenkins, who you said is going to uh, add a lot of physicality to the secondary, and also they signed a corner, uh, Nolan Carroll, do you think that's enough to fix the problems, or do you think they're going to continue to upgrade there? <laughs> 
I think uh, I think as far as like the front office may be looking at uh, Michael uh, Michael Genesis is not the answer, but he, I mean he's part of the solution to the problem. It's like well, also they have to generate a nice pass rush. I mean they run at three four. I mean it's almost impossible sometimes to get a sack off of three players. So the two linebackers that's rushing like Trent Cole that twelve sacks last year. That's uh, that's cool for a rookie, but you're not a rookie. Like, you know, Pro Bowl-type player, so he need to get off his high horse and get to the quarterback. Now that's when the secondary comes into play, like you watch the Super Bowl. Peyton Manning is probably the most prolific passer in the history of the NFL. But if you drop back and there's no one open, you're going to get set. That's what the Eagles need to come into play. Like, uh, a secondary makes a big difference to any defense. No matter who runs across the field, if you got a man – a man-on-man pressure defense, and they're stopping that receiver from getting to open position, your quarterback is very vulnerable. That's what the Eagles need. They need a secondary that can stop these guys. You got Victor Cruz, and I forgot the guy from uh, Washington Redskins. That's how much I don't like those guys. Garcon? <laughs> yeah, 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 Garcon. And, um, and that's Bryant. I mean, we have prolific wide receivers in the NFC East. You shut that down. Robert Griffin is running for his life. And so with the, um, Eli Manning and the other guys, yeah, I don't like Cowboys either. You can tell. I just don't like them. <laughs> Tony Romo. But, yes, yeah, a secondary yeah. is, is, is key to um successful defense. Uh, yeah, and, you know, maybe maybe focusing on that in the draft, too, and bringing in some some younger guys. Like you said, uh, you know, Chip Kelly's going to maybe need to make some offensive adjustments to give that defense a little more a little more uh, breathing breathing time, but uh, if they, they can bring in some young guys and some fresh legs, hopefully they can uh, keep keep it up. Um, uh, now, it's time for the fun <laughs> well, of, out of all Now, and I know, I know you've been begging to answer, answer this question all, all episode, but uh, who has the worst and most annoying fans in this division? Uh, it's the Cowboys. Oh. I mean, these, they are the most, granted, they have they have a ring that, you know, like the guy said, they can wave in our face, and that's cool. Thank you, you know. <laughs> they have the most annoying fans because they are so delusional. To them, the Cowboys are the only team in the NFL. There's no one else that exists. Now, us as Eagle fans, yes, we are cocky and everything. That's cool. That's just the city. We're, we are cocky as individuals. So, yes, we love our team hard, even though we're losers. We haven't won much. But those Cowboys fans swear they won the championship every year. <laughs> you, can't tell, you can't tell them nothing. Y'all haven't won since Emmitt Smith was running the ball. But yet mm. you, you can swear they won last year. You swore they was in MetLife Stadium last year. Guy mm. went out and bought a big old stadium. Oh, Cowboys going to play home field advantage. They even make the playoffs that year. Just it's just they they fans are not oh, just nonsense nonsense. But 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 you gotta love a, a fan that goes hard for their team though. Mm. Yeah, but they are yeah well, they are just obnoxious. <laughs> and if you want to throw it back in their face too, they, they, yeah they have some if they, they have some Super Bowl rings. But what is the how many playoff games have they won in the last ten years? I mean, Philly's been at least been to some a- NFC championship games. Yeah, but you, and, know, like and not, you can't tell 
not to mention, not just to back you up since I piled on you earlier, uh, <laughs> there's, there's been a lot of bad luck in Philly. Let's let's face it. You know, the Chris Carter situation could have worked out differently. Um, yeah. when, when everything was when everything was all greased and ready to go, Randall t- tears his ACL early on in that season. Terrell Owens breaks his leg before the Super Bowl. I mean, this this team has had some some major things happen right up at the wrong time. So. This this Philly team could get over the hump eventually. I hope so. We also done some dumb things to the dream team. So I mean, we done some dumb things. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah. part of some some of it's on us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, Mark, I want to thank you so much for joining us again. It's Mark T. Wilson, BlogTalkRadio.com backslash True Love Sports Talk. Mark hits hits us up twice a week, three times a week, sometimes. All different kinds of sports talk. Make sure make sure you listen to Mark. He's working hard, cheering for those Eagles in the heart of the Bronx. Well, Mark, we appreciate it, um, and I'm gonna try it one more time. Mark T. Wilson. That was that was sports. That was sports. That was classic. Right, I will thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, thank you, Mark. You guys run a great show, man. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. Again, we will hit you up. With, around draft time, you can call in and spout out what you, what you think about those Eagles in that first-round pick, all right, bud? All right, thanks a lot. No problem. Have a good one, bud. How are you, too? Uh, all right, Nick. Well, we're, we are well into the second hour of the show, and we still haven't talked about the New York Giants. Uh, what, what do you think about the Giants? What did you, you pull away from this season besides uh, Eli setting some interception records or leading the NFL in interceptions? <laughs> yeah, Eli Manning was quite the turnover machine in 2013. But, uh, you know, this New York Giants team started out 0-6. So at that point, your season is pretty much shot. It's tough to rattle off 10 straight wins. But they did win seven of the last 10 games, you know, possibly giving some hope to their fans, hopefully for for the Giants fans' sake anyway. Um, you know, they've probably been outshined a little bit in the headlines by the Jets in New York, but they've had a pretty active offseason, you know. They signed Dominic Rogers, Cromarty, and Walter Thurman to replace their current unrestricted free agent quarterbacks, Corey Webster, Terrell Thomas, and Aaron Ross. You know, they picked up Jeff Swartz and John Jerry at guard, Rashard Jennings at running back. Uh, they brought back Mario Manningham after his short stint in San Francisco, signed the kicker trender, Trenton Holiday, you know, with a lot of signings there. So it'll be interesting to see if that's if they're able to kind of uh, keep the momentum going that they picked up at the end of last year with so many new names in the house. Yeah, there was plenty of sad Eli phase out there last year, especially after that 0-6 start. But, uh, you know, as far as this team's biggest weakness, I feel like, Obviously, it was the running game. Um, I like Jennings. Is he the answer? I don't know. I think he's a nice compliment running back. You still need maybe that third down kind of scat back, H back guy to come in and help them out. Obviously, that's not Peyton Hillis. So maybe the maybe they'll look at drafting um drafting a receiver. You kind of already mentioned uh, what they've done free agency wise. Um, what do you think this team's number one priority right now is in the draft, Nick, or, and I guess you can answer what you think the biggest weakness is as well. Uh, well, I agree with you 100% as far as their biggest weakness. Uh, Richard Jennings, he's looked good in spot duty, but he's never had to be the lead guy before. You know, maybe David Wilson can come back healthy. Who knows, with neck injuries, he's just that's a lot of uncertainties there. Um, in the draft, I agree with you. They need help wide receiver after losing Hakeem Nicks. 
uh, you know, unless they believe that Darrell Jernigan is ready to step into a top number two or number three receiver role. I don't know if they believe that yet. They also could definitely look at pass rushers in the draft after losing Justin Tuck to your Raiders. And then a tight end wouldn't surprise me sometime in the first uh, three or four rounds. Yeah, they um, they certainly certainly have some needs. Um, as far as as far as what I see for them in the first round, right now I have them uh, actually going after Khalil Mack. I and I know every other mock has him going like in the top five. Um, our good friend Brandon Folsom from EbLive.com really talked us down on Mack, and I and I still wholeheartedly believe what he said after hearing him and watching a lot of film on him. Obviously, that's probably not going to be the case, but they need. They need some outside linebacker help. They need some front seven help, and I think obviously if he would—he's there. That would be a, a nice choice for them. People would probably view it as a steal, even though uh, we are not in that boat, so to speak. Um, and I see them doing a running back at some point in time too. Uh, you never know with David Wilson, but you know this team has had such a bad history of running backs. I mean, they really haven't had a guy, a number one guy, since Tiki Barber retired early on them. So I see them looking at like a guy like Carlos Hyde. I know he's the number one on a lot of people's boards for running backs. I don't see him as a, as the, the best guy out there, but I think he's a good fit for this team. Um, and they also really need to, I think, look at a, a situation. And uh, Eli's not as young as he used to be, so they might want to look at some quarterbacks later on in the draft. There's a, there's a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. I don't think it's a very good draft for quarterbacks, but they need to. They maybe need to look at one of those guys. Uh, deep in the draft, like a like a Logan Thomas, a guy that can sit there and develop. Um, uh, yeah, just just that's what I see them going in the draft. Is definitely outside linebacker, maybe maybe some secondary help, and definitely a running back. A um, lot of receivers in this draft. I wouldn't be surprised to see them taking a receiver either. Like you said, you don't know about Jernigan. Um, you don't know you know how much Manningham is going to bring to the table since he was pretty much useless last year in San Francisco. Um, what's, uh, any, any more thoughts there on, on their draft and, you know, maybe maybe some other needs that they need to fill? Well, um, I definitely agree with you that outside linebacker could be a definite need. You know, not only did they lose Justin Tuck, but uh, Matthias Kiwanuka was pretty much hurt and struggled through a lot of last season. It'll be interesting to see if he can uh, regain the form. And you mentioned uh, quarterback being a possibility in the draft, you know, a young developmental guy. Uh, but they already do have a guy they took in the fourth round last year, Ryan Nassib out of Syracuse. It was pretty pretty surprising pick when it happened. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if if they believe in him, they probably won't look at quarterback. But if they do draft a quarterback, Nassib probably is on his way out there in New York. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see if that's, if they decide to go. We'll kind of see how they feel about Nassib. You know, and they also lost uh, defensive tackle Lindell Joseph to the Vikings. So that might be something. Uh, this team, this uh, draft, excuse me, there's a lot of decent, I, I believe, uh, defensive tackles. Um, it's kind of a different breed of defensive tackles. They're either really big or kind of small. You know, they're Daniel McCullough, six seven, three fifty. Are there? I don't think anybody's smaller than Aaron Donald, but uh, he's a he's a nice, uh, exceptional, smaller defensive tackle. And if he's there in the first round, I could see maybe the Giants taking him. I mean, I pick twelve seems kind of high for him, but you know, all all these people that talk about him just just have nothing but good things to say about him. So, um, you know. 
like we talked about earlier, you just got to go with that best player available in, in that first round, and I, I guess we'll see what they decide. Uh, should Do you have any idea who, who Giants fans would say are the most annoying fans in this division, Nick? Um, I have absolutely no idea. Well, I want to go. One let's thing just go with the Eagles fans. <laughs> sure, uh, they have some good battles. Um, I gotta, I gotta spout off about this division for one second because because it's, it's we're talking about this division this week. Um, it seems like every time these two these teams match up in a divisional game, it has to be the Sunday or Monday night game. What is that about, Nick? I mean, it's not like it's Yankees Red Sox. I mean, every time. Eagles, like the first Sunday night game is always Eagles Giants or Giants Cowboys or or you know Redskins get a lot of a lot of, a lot of press too. It just seems like no matter how how good or bad they are, they're always prime time games. What do you think about that? Well, you know the national media is pretty much centered up there in the in the Northeast. You know, either in New York or uh, with a in Bristol, Connecticut. So you're gonna have, get a lot of uh, coverage on those teams and. New York's the most populous city in the country, so if their networks are going for ratings, they want to bring in those New York viewers first and foremost. Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. It just seems seems a little bit of overkill, especially after after the year this division had last year, where not uh, not too many teams were voting a lot, having a lot of confidence, giving us a lot of reason to be confident in that season. Um, now, every week we do a little something that we'd like to call Nick Rant. It's where I give my co-host, Nick, the floor to rant about something that's just on his mind. Um, it's been kind of bothering over the, over the past week or so. Usually it's kind of triggered by something somebody said or, you know, something somebody did. Um, this time it's going to be about what, what a certain Terrell Pryor said after Oakland traded for Matt Schaaf. Nick, what do you got for us? So, Terrell Pryor is demanded to be traded or released. That news left me scratching my head a little bit. As a player who takes that position, usually is like, say, an older veteran who has been replaced but can still play at a high level, at least in their own minds, or maybe a former first-round pick that, for whatever reason, hasn't flourished with their original team. But Terrell Pryor? Come on. He was a 2011 third-round supplemental draft pick, He's had 10 career starts, 3-7 and seven in those starts, uh, 56% completion percentage, uh, 9 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 1,900 yards, plus another 600 yards on the ground and 3 touchdowns rushing, and 7 fumbles. You know, there's a reason that Terrell Pryor lost his starting job last year to the oh-so-highly-touted Matt McGloin, who then recently <laughs> lost his job to a newly acquired Matt Schaub. It's because Pryor is not good enough, at least right now, to be a full-time starter. Maybe he never will be. The way he's handled himself during this offseason confuses me, especially after I saw that he demanded to be let go weeks before Matt Schaub was even acquired. To me, a guy who's hungry to be the best, that uses a benching as a wake-up call, shows up to work out every day in the offseason to prove himself and takes his job back with his work ethic, leadership, and, of course, on-the-field play come preseason, regular season. But uh, Pryor, on the other hand, pretty much just threw in the towel. And when the first whispers started about Oakland looking at other quarterback options, he just basically pouted instead of trying to earn his job back. To play quarterback takes a different mentality than other positions. 
if you can't be a leader, then you will never be successful. Some guys have it, others just don't. I remember a Redskins offensive lineman from the 90s talking about former number three overall pick, Heath Schuler. Uh, basically, the lineman said that from the very first huddle, the veterans could tell Heath Schuler just did not have what it took to lead a team of men, not a team of boys like you do in school. These demands by Terrell Pryor to me are a big red flag. You know, maybe he could switch positions. We've talked before, Josh. You suggested uh, maybe he could be a good running back. But I think sometimes some guys that uh, have been highly touted and successful quarterbacks for basically their whole lives through college, guys like Terrell Pryor or, you know, that other guy who we shall not mention from Florida, uh, they've just got too big of egos to admit to themselves that they can't play quarterback at the NFL level, but they're successful at other positions. You know, they just keep beating their heads against the wall trying to play quarterback until their brief career is over. We'll see what happens with Terrell Pryor. Josh? Well, I would like to say just a couple things to maybe speak to him a little bit. Uh, he was he had a lot of allegations flying around him at college, which I think is why he ended up going to the supplemental draft. I'm not saying he was going to be a, a third-round pick in the actual NFL draft, but I think that really hurt his status coming out of college. Um, also, um, in, light, in light of all this, Dennis Allen recently said that he believes Matt Schaub is on par with the rest of the quarterbacks in our division, uh, which I, uh, I have a lot of respect for Matt Schaub, but I, I, I do not uh, believe in that at all. Um, I, I think Perel Pryor actually said something to the effect that he believes he's established himself well enough in this position to be a starter with another team. I just I just don't see that. Um, you know, we... we uh, jokingly kind of dubbed him baby Cam Newton at the beginning of the season. And for a couple of weeks, we looked like we were actually going to get that out of him. But he has just proven time and time again that he can't make make things happen when he needs to. Um, I, I don't know why some of these quarterbacks, like you said, they've been quarterbacks their whole life. Somebody asks you to do something and make a change, why not do it? You know, we've had it, we've had it successful. We've had some people be successful changing positions at the NFL level. You know, Brian Erlacher was a safety in college. Uh, Adam Archuleta was a, was, a, was a middle linebacker in college, and he moved to safety. Those are just a couple of examples. I'm not saying those guys are the best football players ever, but they were had moments of success at the NFL level, and they came to the NFL and changed positions. You know, guys, guys come into the NFL as basketball players and become great tight ends. Why – you know, if he thinks really, if he's really confident in his abilities, and has any kind of re- respect for the the franchise that took a chance on him, why why not do something to help this team out? Um, you know, what what if he was a third down back for this team? There's always that weird weird thought in your head. What if they pitch it to him and then he stops and throws the ball downfield? You're going to see. You know, you could. I mean, I know it's one little wrinkle, but that could make the difference in winning maybe two or three games every year. Not, I mean, maybe I'm out of line there, but I just, I feel like Pryor just need, maybe needs to consider. I think I, I, I believe in his athletic ability. I don't know if it's going to be a quarterback, um, and if somebody else wants to take a chance on him, actually trade us a pick or something for him. Bring it on. We'll, we'll take a pick for him. So I don't, I don't think you're going to see a lot of takers out there, Terrell. I love you. Hopefully you can stick around and maybe uh, maybe do something good for us. Uh, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a weird situation there. And Dennis Allen, come on, let's, let's cool it on the match job talk. Just, just yeah, let's let him, <laughs> let's let him win some, some games first, all right? Let's, let's win eight games and not be eight and eight before we talk about uh, match job and such a highlight. 
Um, one thing I kind of added here last minute that I didn't have written down for you, Nick, have you heard about the NFL now outlawing the, the, the goalpost dunk? It's now an illegal move because they believe sometimes it takes the goalpost off of balance, and then the game is delayed while they <laughs> place it back into perfect balance, you know, with, with I'm sure, highly technical uh, equipment like uh, a level and some weights. Uh, what do you think about that, uh, that that new rule of no field goal post dunking. Well, I, you know, first of all, I'm surprised you'd think the technology would uh, exist to make the field goal post stable and able to resist a uh, dunk. But I, I was amused by Jimmy Graham's response. You know, he is one of the bigger uh, guys that tends to do a lot of dunking when they score a touchdown. He replied on Twitter that he was going to have to lead the league in penalties this year now. I'm sure uh, this team <laughs> coach, Sean Payton, really loves hearing that, that her, this team's actually going to have to defend kickoff returns instead of just having to have touchbacks every time Jimmy scores a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, certainly a, an interesting an interesting point, too. Um, I Whatever, it's just it's something fun. I don't really think it distracts or actually takes away from the game at, at all. Um, what what about the they there's been a little bit more rumbling about this taking extra points from the 25 yard line, Nick. Um, the stat I heard this morning is 20, I think 25. There was 31 attempts by teams from that 37 yard mark where extra points would be now if they want to do that. 31 attempts last year, and six of them are missed. So and I think there was only one or two extra points in this last year. Uh, any more thoughts on that uh, that weird rule? I mean, I guess I could kind of appreciate where they're coming from because it's such an automatic thing, so let's make it a little more difficult. But uh, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, you know, we've talked about this before, and I just I don't care that much. I don't think it's that big a deal. <laughs> To me, it seems the biggest effect it's going to have is maybe reducing the amount of uh, overtime games. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know what the I, – I think that's a good point. Um, well, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I just – I think it's weird when you go in to change the rules on something that's been the same for so long. You're, you're really running a, a fine line. And, obviously, the NFL is more popular than any other sport. So it's not like people are going to turn the TV off because of this weird rule. But it's, it's, it's a weird thing when you kind of go in there and mess with rules that have been in place for a while. Um, next, uh, some other free agent signings that we didn't get to earlier. Uh, we talked about Devin Hester last week. Um, and Atlanta gave him his wish. Uh, Nick, did you hear what Atlanta was able to give him? I think was it was it something. I think it was under three a million per year. Um, I think what I saw was a three years, nine million. I didn't see how the contract breaks down. You know, if he's if it's a lot of backloaded contract or not. Uh, but yeah, thirty-two years old. He's not the scoring threat he was a few years ago, but he can still help in the battlefield position. And plus, the Falcons I saw uh, want to use him on on offense. Actually, you know, who knows? Maybe they have enough other talent on offense to kind of open up space for him, but he never really did thrive in that role in Chicago. So hopefully the the Falcons coaching staff can figure out a way to get him on the field more and turn him into more of a playmaker than he's been the last couple of years. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, this team, if they get a healthy Julio Jones back, who I believe is ahead of schedule right now, um, 
uh, Roddy White and Harry Douglas, you know, if they have those three guys already split out, just tell Hester to run straight up the field or go to the end zone as fast as you can. You think he might be open with the rest of those guys on the field. So um, uh, we'll, see, we'll see how that works out there. I'm, I don't have a lot of confidence in him being a big, uh, a big offensive component for them, but we'll see. I mean, he did say that he's a well-rounded athlete, so we'll, we'll see what he can bring to the table there. Um, uh, now, the pa- Panthers have caught a lot of heat for losing all the receivers, and they signed uh, Gerald Kokashi, not a big name, but certainly a decent uh, NFL receiver. I think they also signed a former Minnesota quarterback who actually turned to wide receiver. Um, Joe Webb, kind of, a, kind of a, a weird signing, maybe just to kind of keep things quiet to see that they're actually trying to do something. What, what do you think about the Kokashi signing? There, Nick. Well, I mean, you take a number three or number four receiver from Pittsburgh and slot him into a number one or a number two role with Carolina, but, they, I mean, they had to have somebody at receiver with experience in the NFL. You know, hopefully one of those incumbents like Marvin McNutt or Tavares King can also help out there at receiver. You know, Jericho Cotri only caught 46 passes for 602 yards last year, but he did have 10 touchdowns. So he should be able to help out at least to provide a possession receiver there for Cam Newton. Yeah, I think he could definitely be a good possession receiver. You know, that's another guy that maybe, you know, Mark talked about the Eagles needing a guy like that. That's maybe another guy they they missed out on. Um, he can certainly uh, make a difference in that offense. I, mean, so I was a little surprised that, uh, he didn't, uh, the Jets weren't interested in bringing him back because I thought he had some pretty good success there and made some good things happen for them. Um Antonio Camardi of the Jets, uh, the marijuana smoker, now down in Arizona. What do, what do you think about that move there, Nick? You know what? I actually love this move. When you play in a division with Seattle and San Francisco, you better be able to have a defense that can at least compete on somewhat close to the same level. Uh, Antonio Camardi had a rough year last year, but if he can come back at full strength, that would be it's going to be a scary secondary with Patrick Peterson, Cromarty, and the Honey Badger. And the Honey Badger. Uh, and also, speaking of Arizona, I think uh, we didn't touch on it last week, but uh, Jonathan Dwyer signing a running back from Pittsburgh could be a really sneaky under the radar move that uh, pays off and really helps them as like a third and short type of back. Yeah, that could be that could be a nice move. Yeah, that's a nice tandem there with Cromarty and Peterson. Um, you know, as long as Camardi can keep his uh, keep his nose clean and probably preferably for a lot of people down there, his mouth shut. But uh, I guess we'll see how that uh, all works out. Now we've alluded to it quite a lot now in this uh, podcast. What do you what do you think about uh, my Oakland Raiders getting Matt Schaub there, Nick? Well, he's definitely an upgrade over Matt McGloin and Terrell Pryor, and you only gave up a sixth round pick to get him. Uh, he, he's probably just a one or a two year stopgap uh, if he's going to be. You know, I, you guys did denounce him as starter, I believe. But, you know, after this move, I think out of all the quarterbacks in the draft, if you were to take one in the first round, Blake Bortles would be the best fit if he were to fall. Because he is, out of all of them, probably the least pro-ready. He's a guy who could definitely use a year to sit and learn the game. I think he would be a great fit for Oakland if he were to fall to you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at this point, I do see him maybe falling to us. I don't know if I want to go that route. Um, I've said it multiple times that I, the only quarterback I would feel comfortable starting this year, obviously we're not going to probably do that with Schaub in camp, but would be Teddy Bridgewater. If he was to fall to us, I would love to see them take a chance on him. I think Schaub's only going to be there two years. 
Um, so I would love Bridgewater to sit there and, and learn behind a guy that's kind of been, been around the block and been a, been a backup for a number of years himself and Schaub. Um, but uh, Bridgewater is the only guy that I would like to see Oakland take in the first. Um, I think I don't see him getting past Jacksonville and or Cleveland. I think they kind of do those two teams do a combination of of Manziel or Bridgewater. I think it's possible to be Bridgewater to Jacksonville and Manziel to Cleveland. I, that's just how I think right now. That could change. Um, obviously, if they take any one of those top three quarterbacks, I would certainly be excited. I don't know. But, but if you're not going to see that product on the field for a couple of years, it's kind of hard to get too excited about your first-round pick. But um, I think they all could develop into a decent player. Um, but, uh, yeah, Matt, as far as Matt Schaub goes, I think he could be a nice guy that moves our offense along. Hopefully McFadden can stay healthy. Hopefully we add another running back in the, in the, in the draft and, and give, give, lighten the load on him just a little bit. Um, well, that's pretty much pretty much all we got for you. Um, I do want to remind everybody that we are not going to be podcasting next. Uh, we will be back April 9th to talk about the NFC North with uh, Matthew Marshall and Travis Krins. We're going to do another dual setup for the Vikings. I could have, I could honestly have been around from this area. I could honestly have ten guys come on and talk about the Vikings, but I'm going to cap it at two. Uh, and we're going to we'll do that. We'll do that tomorrow. Um, I'm also going to be on the Road to Rock Fantasy Baseball podcast next week. That's next Thursday. No baseball podcast this week. No football podcast next week. But I'm going to be on the baseball podcast next week with Rob. Um, and if you haven't checked it out, you need to go to rotorob.com, click on the baseball tab. My Roto Derby article is up about that new contest they're doing. You can read my article. And then if you think you can do better, you go to rotorderby.com and try to try to beat me out. If you can play for free or you can play for money and uh, win lots of money if, they, if you want to if you want to try it or if you think you can beat me. So make sure you check that out. Obviously, stay tuned to rotorob.com. Um, we had our MLB sleepers up, or excuse me, our, our bus up yesterday. Sleepers, outfielders, and RPs, hopefully still to come. So uh, make sure you check that out. Otherwise, this has been Rotorob Fantasy football podcast, weekly podcast. I am Joshua Johnson. He is Nick Wagner. Have a good afternoon, people, um, and we will see you in two weeks. Take care, Nick. Yeah, you too, Josh. Thanks for listening to the Roto Raw Fantasy Football Weekly Podcast with Nick. Hey, out to the Redskins, Wagner, and my dad, Joshua Johnson. This is so much more than a fantasy football show. Sayonara, people. <laughs> what are you gonna say? Delete that first. Delete it.